0: Susan Cigar here with J.T. Warsh, owner of the powerhouse company, The Inner Circle. J.T., thanks for taking the time to speak with me, and how are you today?
1: I'm fantastic. Uh, The weather is beautiful here in uh, Toronto. It's like plus 17, so that's very warm for us Canadians at this time of the year. So it's good.
0: Plus 17. I'm getting chilly just thinking about that because it's uh, it's a (laughs) balmy 85 here in Florida, which is the way we like it. So, JT, tell me how the idea for the Inner Circle Agency came about. Well, the Inner Circle Agency is Canada's
1: premier agency for uh, VIP services for athletes. Uh, We focus on MMA fighters currently. We work with a lot of the top-level guys in the UFC. And um, my number one client, uh, Tito Ortiz, is now in Bellator. But basically, what uh, the Inner Circle Agency does is provide an income stream for the fighters outside of the octagon or the cage we set up seminars autograph signings vip dinners uh, vip parties where these guys could get paid good money without getting punched in the face so it's a win-win situation whenever they come to toronto my partner and i paul bernier we take care of these guys on a true seven-star level limousines the best restaurants the best hotels the best of the best so they keep coming back on a regular basis and they keep making money they're very happy and when they go home they uh, pass on the word to other clients so they can call us to do future business so it's a it's a it's a great business and it's a lot of fun.
0: Now you have a who's who's list of clients in MMA, can you name drop some of the other people because I know there's a lot of them on the list.
1: Well number one is uh, Tito Ortiz, That's, uh, that's, that's the headliner. Uh, we have Ken Shamrock, we have Alistair Overeem, we have Rashad Evans, we have Frankie Edgar, we have Vanderlei Silva, and we have Bruce, Buff- uh, Bruce Buffer, and uh, we have Chris Cyborg, the number one pound-for-pound female fighter in the world. So that's our current roster right now. We've been working with these guys for a long time. And they've come back on multiple occasions because they've had such a good time on their first, second, third trip. So it's a repeat business. And we're going to be adding another uh, one or two clients in 2015 to uh, expand the roster.
0: Good for you. I suppose with all those uh, fighters, that, that sort of keeps your plate full, I would think.
1: Well, you know what? We, we I have a very good relationship with these guys and... My partner Paul and I were so we're so different. I'm a very, you know, flashy and uh you know out there person where my partner is a very introverted, quiet individual. So some of the fighters that we have, my personality is more geared towards them, so it's very easy for me to, to get along with them and then some other fighters we have are very quiet and he's very uh, entwined with them so we work very well as a as a team together and uh, it's been successful the past two years we've made some great history and uh, we're expanding and that's that's the most exciting part about it we've dominated the market here in Canada all the other people that were doing business we have basically put them out of business because uh, number one they were dishonest number two they don't treat people the way that we treat them and um, at the end of the day, it comes to respect. We respect these guys uh, as human beings first and as you know, as fighters second. So I think uh, that's the most important thing. That's been uh, a true component to our success of the Inner Circle Agency.
0: Speaking of respect, um, one of the key words that sort of makes up yourself as a person is loyalty. Why is loyalty so paramount to you, JT, as a person?
1: Well, that's the way I was raised by my late uh, my late father. He instilled in me respect and loyalty. Um, a lot of people, I think, today in our society, 2014, a lot of people don't know what the word means. They're only loyal when it serves them. They're only around when things are good. But when things go bad, a lot of people go, you know, running for the hills. And mm-hmm. it's a prime example. With um, you know, now I call him a brother years ago he was uh he was an employer now he's a brother and i'm talking about Tito Ortiz if you look at his career you know in the early his early career when he was a champion everybody was around tito and he had an entourage bigger than what an entourage is supposed to be and then you know things started to change for him the injuries the issues he had at home you know he went through a bunch of losses a lot of people started to dissipate and leave and write him off and the entourage disappeared and uh, that really really you know hurt me and I started working for him when things were pretty much at uh, you know a low level in his career and we formed a bond that's so powerful um, and loyalty is what holds us together because I said to him you know through the best through the worst I will always be there and um, a lot of people that were there for him when the things were good are no longer there for him now. And it's uh, sort of um, ironic that I said that because it's exactly what's going on right now leading up to the fight on November the 15th in San Diego. The The whole entire corner that's going to be facing Tito Ortiz are all ex-friends um, and employees of his that have turned on him because of the old mighty dollar. Yeah, uh, I
0: greed. find it to be a little uh int- i thought it to be interesting that after speaking to Tito recently in my interview he spoke so highly of coach Paul Herrera and then now Herrera is on the bottom side the whole incident is uh like a soap opera would you not agree
1: it's completely like a soap opera I know paul herrera is the one who got uh, tito into wrestling so many years ago and their bond goes like so many two decades you know to see Paul over on the other side was very shocking for me because he recently, he was in our camp for the Shlomenko fight. And, um, it's quite shocking to say the least, you know, um, with Justin McCulley, you know, he was part of Tito's camp in the early days, you know, and him defecting. It's just, uh, it's just disheartening to see, you know, people that are so close, you know, go over to, uh, the opposing side. It's, uh, it's crazy to say the least. The word loyalty in society today is—it's uh, very, very, very rare. You don't see it, and a lot of people don't have it anymore. It's a sad thing.
0: Speaking of the incident, what upsets you most about that in- incident that occurred between Tito and Bonner?
1: Well, I met Stefan Bonner on many occasions. Uh, I met him—the uh, first time I ever met him was at the uh, MMA awards in Vegas. And, you know, nice guy. We talked for a long time. We had a couple of drinks. And I'm, Man, this guy's cool, you know. And great personality, you know, making me laugh. And, you know, we shot the shit for a little while. And I'm like, this guy, this guy's all right. And then I saw what he pulled on national television on Spike with Tito at Tour 123. I was like, is this the same person that I met in Las Vegas? The stuff that was coming out of his mouth, I just I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You know, he doesn't have to like Tito, he doesn't have to love Tito. Not everybody loves and and, and respects Tito Ortiz, you know. But you don't talk about his family, and you don't talk about his true fans. You know, some people love him, some people don't love him. But the stuff that Stefan Bonner was doing in that cage that night just blew my mind, and I was like. I, I couldn't believe it, and this, this stuff I've been listening to and reading in uh, prior interviews—it's been very disheartening to see the stuff that he's been saying. But all I can tell you is, um, my boy is very, very determined. He's training very hard, and um, he's very healthy. And when Tito's healthy and his mind is focused and he's he's on point, I don't think there's anybody that could beat him.
0: I had a chance to speak with Amber Nicole uh, last week. One of the things that I asked her, which I was so pleased to hear, was did any of Tito's children hear what was said? Because, you know, bullying is a big issue. And, you know, trash talking is part of MMA. But I agree with you. Once you start criticizing family and bringing in personal incidents, it goes to the next level. So she had mentioned to me, and I was so happy to hear that, that none none of the children were being bullied because had that – Become out there, and the kids were actually being teased. I think it would have added a, another element to this whole incident, maybe even beyond MMA fans. What do you think about that?
1: Well, the twins are only—they're only five years old, and um, you know, Tito has them very sheltered. He's—he's he's a great father, and he keeps them out of the—the uh, the non. They, I think they're—they're they're still too young to really understand, you know, what's going on. But he does a great job of uh, keeping them happy and sheltered. His other son uh, Jacob, I think he's he's a little older uh, jacob is uh is going to be a tough kid one day. He's, you know, he's wrestling right now. I've met him on many occasions, and uh, he's very bright, he's very intelligent, and um, you know he's he's a chip off uh, Tito's block, and you can tell their you know father and son. I don't think that uh, Jacob would have any problem if uh, anybody was teasing him, you know because I've seen him uh, do some work inside that cage and uh, he's like watching uh, another version of Tito Ortiz just uh, a lot younger. So I don't think there would be any problem with that. But, um, you know, this bullying thing is a big problem. But uh, I, I think as a father, I think he's done a great job keeping them away from all of this nonsense.
0: Yeah, that's that's encouraging to know. You were also responsible for, responsible for patching up the feud between Tito and Shamrock. Can you tell our viewers this story, please?
1: Uh, <laughs> A lot of people don't know about that um but you know that's something I'm I'm very proud of um mm-hmm. the whole the whole thing started with Ken Shamrock we I brought him down with the inner circle he's he's already been here three times Ken but the first time he came down you know I called uh, Tito before Ken came and I said do you have an issue with uh, Ken Shamrock coming down to do some business with me in Toronto and Tito said JT I'll never get in your way of you making money you know, thanks for the respect of calling me and asking me if it was okay. Because this is the the respect that we have between each other. There was a couple athletes that I called Tito on a couple years ago asking him if they can come to Toronto to do business with me. And he said, you know what, JT, I don't like those guys. Just don't do business with them. I'm like, no problem. Thank you. I won't do business. But he said Ken Shamrock was okay. And, you know, Ken came down. But I took a gamble on this because I did not know you know Ken Shamrock's feelings towards Tito because they hadn't spoken since their last fight of the trilogy and I think it was in 2006 the last time they spoke and we were inside of a limousine going to uh, an autograph signing with Ken and I said you know what I'm going to take a chance right now and hopefully it doesn't blow up in my face and I called Tito on the phone and we started talking he's like how's everything going I'm like good and I go you know Ken's here in the limousine do you want to talk to him And I said, Ken, there's somebody on the phone for you. And Ken goes, who is it? And I said, it's a guy that you know from many years ago. You guys got a lot of history together. Um, I think you guys should uh, talk. And he's like, who is it? I go, oh, don't worry about it. Here's the phone. And I was just praying to God that, uh, you know, Ken did not blow up on the phone with Tito because I knew there was a lot of bad blood there. The last time they spoke, it it wasn't uh, on the best of terms. But Ken Shamrock blew me away he was he was on the phone with Tito for about 45 minutes and they were talking about their families they were talking about uh, the good old days of the UFC they were talking about their fights and by the end of the conversation all I heard of uh, Ken Shamrock's mouth was you know God bless you I hope you and your family are well and um, stay in touch and um, don't be such a stranger and I was like oh my god I I can't believe what I just did to individuals that basically put mixed martial arts and the UFC on the map, you know, who really did not like each other for so many years, have now made peace inside of a limousine in Toronto. And um, I was very proud of that. Now, you know, we're 2014, you know, they're they're friends now. Uh, Ken Shamrock has got Tito's back, and I know Tito's got Ken's back, and they have a lot of mutual respect and love and admiration for each other. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. It's a, it's a, a great, it's a great what thing. What
0: a great story. Yeah, what a great story that is. And what a great testimony to you as an individual for being able to bring it back together. I think that's just amazing.
1: Um, well, I, your... I, I, look at, uh, I look at the situation. Those two individuals, you know, and this is my personal opinion. Some people may disagree with me. Some people will agree with me. But I think that Tito Ortiz and Ken Shamrock saved the UFC. At UFC 40 at Vendetta, that event basically put mixed martial arts, the UFC, and combat sports uh, on the map. That feud that they had was unbelievable. The fight was fantastic. You know, Tito came out on top, but uh, Shamrock was unreal. He brought out a side of Tito that I've never seen before. And you know, just recently the other day, Tito said in an interview, I think with Sure Dog, Ken Shamrock brought out the best Tito Ortiz and uh that was that was truly incredible that feud that they had and UFC 40 is one of the greatest events in the history of that company and those two men basically did it together so the utmost respect has to be given to both of them for what they did and i'm i'm, I'm so happy that uh, they're friends
0: now how did a boy from the caribbean become so interested in mixed martial arts because it probably was not popular where you lived previously was it not
1: Well, I I was born in Canada, but my mother is from the Caribbean. Okay. And uh, mixed martial arts in the Caribbean is not uh, is not very big. Um, Whenever I go to, I'm in the Caribbean a lot. Uh, I just got back from Grenada in February. I'm going to be in Jamaica. March, I'm going to be in Barbados. And every time I go down to the Caribbean and I talk to the people, they all think I'm a professional wrestler. I work Mm -hmm. with professional wrestlers and I tell them I work with uh, UFC fighters, mixed martial arts fighters, and they're like, what is that? So the Caribbean region produces some of the best athletes in the world. If you look at the Jamaican sprinting team, the fastest man in the world is from Jamaica. The 4x100 relay team is from Jamaica. The, the toughest athletes come out of the Caribbean, but they don't have their, their finger into mixed martial arts right now. So I think eventually down the line, one of my master plans is is to get the Caribbean region involved with mixed martial arts because I have a lot of powerful friends in the Caribbean. When I say powerful, they're billionaires, and these individuals are big fight fans. And I think eventually, you know, with a little bit of work and putting the right people together, I think we could build mixed martial arts in the Caribbean region, and eventually, maybe one day, have a champion in the UFC from one of the Caribbean islands, which will be absolutely you know, brilliant. I'm not talking about an American Caribbean or a Canadian Caribbean. I'm talking about an individual born in one of the islands. And your mother and father are both from, from the Caribbean region, 100% Caribbean. So that would be something very um, proud. And I think one day it's going to happen. It's going to happen one day.
0: I would like to see that. I spend a lot of time um, being my territory, Central, South, Latin America, and the Caribbean and the Caribbean, and there are some fabulous athletes out there uh, that I think would love to jump on that opportunity. What is your vision for the future with regards to MMA in the Inner Circle Agency? I know you just spoke about one of your visions, but anything else you have in mind?
1: Well, with the Inner Circle Agency, you know, my partner Paul and I, you know, we have uh, our ultimate vision is to to branch it off into Europe, and uh, to other regions in the United States, but the the issue that we have is, Paul and I are very honest people, and all of our contracts that we do, like we do a lot of work with um, Authentic Sports Management out of Boca Raton, Florida. They, they were Shot Evans, and they, formerly they were with Alistair Overeem, and um, a lot of these companies we do business with, we don't we don't do contracts, we don't sign paperwork. I'm an old school individual and my partner Paul is old school and we're all on handshakes in our word. When we say we're going to do something, we deliver 1,050% on what we're going to do. And that's how I am and that's how Paul is. And The issue that we have is finding other individuals that are cut from the same kind of cloth we are. Because all of, all of the clients that we work with, I call, I pick up the phone I'm like, Alistair, I'd like you to come to Toronto in March. I got this amount of money for you. This is your schedule. Let's do it. No problem, JT, I'm coming. Or I talk to Rashad. Yeah, Rashad's already been here three times. And it's the same thing with him. I call him up and it's uh, Rashad, I got 10 grand for you for a couple hours, rock and roll. Like, no problem, I'm coming. No paperwork. How many people in 2014 can say they can do business without a contract? Everybody's doing contracts and suing each other and ripping each other off because of money. I'm not like that. My partner's not like that. That's why I think our company is so successful. And my reputation with these athletes is impeccable because when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I'll never screw over anybody for money, ever, because I have enough of my own. So I don't need to rip off anybody for it. So that's the issue that we're having, is finding people like us to branch off into all these other countries. But we do have a um, a good friend of mine who's, uh, who's in from Germany, and he's in he's in the military. He works in Kuwait, uh, teaching the drivers um, how to drive the the H two Hummers in the desert. His name is Sasha, and Sasha is a very big MMA fan. We met through Tito Ortiz, and Sasha has a big hunger and love for MMA. And I think eventually, uh, Sasha is going to be um, one of the reps for for Europe because he's an honest guy. He's uh, he's straight up. And he's the type of individual where, you know, contracts are not needed. Sasha is like myself and Paul. He's going to do something. He's going to be on a handshake. That's the kind of people that I want to work with. I don't want to work with people I have to worry about money and stealing and ripping people off. So that's why we're, we're taking it very slowly because we want to make sure the people that we bring into the circle, the inner circle, are just like us because the circle is very small and it's very tight. And uh, we want to make sure that it's represented properly
0: very interesting way to do business. I don't think I've uh, ever worked with anybody who doesn't have contracts. I I I applaud you for that. Tell me three things no one knows about you.
1: Three things people don't know wow, But I just think I could be here for about a couple hours. Just kind of, <laughs> just uh those are, How about those one are thing? pretty uh, one thing that people don't know about me. Um
0: you have a secret Well,
1: well, when people look at me, I got long hair. And, um, you know, I'm a, I am train very hard. I'm a big guy, and I have tattoos all over my body. So when people look at me, they're like, man, this guy, he he must be some sort of a, a wrestler or a fighter or something to do, like that kind of world. What people don't realize with me is um, the stuff that I really enjoy has nothing to do with the fight game. You know, I'm um, I'm very big into, I'm a beach boy, so I love jet skiing. I'm a very good water skier, um scuba diving, swimming. Uh, I like jumping out of airplanes, you know, I like doing a lot of adrenaline kind of sports, you know, and um in the summertime I spend most of my time I, I bought a beautiful cottage up north, so I'm always I'm a, I'm an out an outdoor kind of guy, you know, the campfires and fishing. Um and I love to cook. Uh I'm a very very good cook. Yeah, I'm very good in the kitchen um i post a lot of things on my instagram and a lot of things on my facebook i have um i hang around with a lot of women who are very good friends of mine and i love to cook for them and um it's that's one of my hidden talents is cooking uh my mother taught me at the age of 19 she told me to make sure you you know how to cook because you're not going to it's going to be a difficult time finding a woman who uh will, who will cook the way that um, my mother cooks and my mother is from trinidad and she cooks her food is is impeccable but she cooks every type of cuisine she's so talented that i got that from her and my my grandfather uh was a chef my my real father's uh, father was a chef in the, in the portuguese military and he used to cook for thousands of sailors so i think the cooking aspect is is ingrained into me you put me in the kitchen and i can uh, i can cook very very well that's one thing that a lot of people don't know about me.
0: Sounds like your mom gave you some very good advice. Before we go today, anything else you'd like to add, JP?
1: Well, you know what? Um, I'm just very thankful. You know, the business is going well. Uh, life life is fantastic, and uh, I'm living the dream right now. And um, a lot of people, you know, they see what I've been doing with all of these fighters, and they think it was easy for me to get where I am right now. But this whole journey that I've taken, uh, it's been a lot of work. I've invested a lot of time, i invested a lot of heartache, uh, a lot of money into getting where I am today and the person that gave me my opportunity uh, to get where I am today who opened up that door and gave me that chance when I came out of the nightclub industry because I was in the nightclub industry for about 16 years as a promoter, as an owner and I left that world and I wanted to get into mixed martial arts. Uh, Tito Ortiz is the one who gave me my opportunity, that's why I'm loyal to him and I stand by him to the end. And a lot of people don't know that. You know, they're like, why are you so loyal to this guy for? I'm like, well, I'm loyal to him because he gave me an opportunity, which has led to Rashad Evans and Alistair Overeem and Frankie Edgar and Van Silva and the rest of them. They're like, well, if you're dealing with Tito, you must be legit. So we're going to work with you, too. And the rest is pretty much history.
0: Wow. Well, I've enjoyed this interview. I want to remind our viewers that three words come to mind when I interview JT today. That would be loyalty, honor, and old-fashioned integrity. And JT, give us your Twitter so we can follow you before we go.
1: Uh, Twitter, it's uh, at JT Warsh. It's uh, J-A-Y-T-W-A-R-S-H. My Instagram is uh, JT Tropics, J-A-Y-T-T-R-O-P-I-X. My Instagram is a lot of fun. And my Facebook, again, is JT Tropics. If you if you want to, you know, enjoy yourself on Facebook, you know, come onto my page because it's, uh, I call it the network of truth, where everything on my Facebook is all based on realness and, and, and speaking the truth, educating people, and basically saying things that a lot of people don't want to say. I'll say it. And um, it's very positive and it's uplifting, and uh, I just want to make people around me better.
0: An inspiring interview. JT, thank you so much for your time.